At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Now, that's not true. Of course, we have rational thoughts today. We always have good thoughts, but in case you don't, that covers me in case you don't. Our, our guest today, man, I, I always say I, this is a, a great guest, and uh, this one's actually pretty special. Um, he's been named twice to the list of the world's top 30 global leadership gurus and Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers. He's presented to companies and organizations around the world, including the United Nations, Department of State, World Management Forum in Iran, the U.S. Air Force, and the famed Servant Leadership Institute. So he knows what he's talking about. His focus is on human behavior and neuroscience. Is made the leading authority on emotional source code and the anatomy of meaning. Now, he's also a best-selling author of Red, One Red Thread and Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. But most importantly, this man is a good friend of mine and somebody I've always respected, held the highest regard. Every time I listen to him, Anything you think about in conversation and talking, he takes it to like a, a deeper or a higher or a wider level that you're like, oh, wow. It makes you think. And that's what his gift. So welcome to show today, uh, Dove Baron. Dove, how are you? Good, mate. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to have a, I'm deeply curious about our conversation. Yes, that's right. My, our favorite topic, your, your, your brand and my new topic, my book coming out next year, which will be a lot of fun. So why should people listen to us today on this show? Well, I think that we've really got to take a moment and consider what is it that drives human beings? And we like to think that we know the answer to that, but we actually don't understand what truly drives human beings. Mm. Uh, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about at a subjective personal level. I'm also talking about it in a collective level, the polarization we're seeing in the United States today. Um, it's it's a nation, it's a tribe, it's an individual. So when we understand what really drives us, then we can actually find ways to communicate and ways to be with each other that are beyond anything we'd ever imagined. That sounds like a great thing to do. So we're going to get to that in a second. That's a really important thing. It's not just something as simple as fear and greed. There's something deeper here that we don't know about, Dove, and I want yes. to hear all about it. But first, tell the people about your backstory. How did you come to being the uh, top three global leadership gurus? Uh, you know, as well as I do, that would take longer than your show. But the, the, the quick version is that I, uh, grew up in Northern England. Um, I left the UK more than 40 years ago, traveled the world to study with different masters around the world. So I did metaphysical studies, um, Gnostic and Coptic Christianity, Kabbalah, Vedanta, Hindu philosophy, Buddhism, and the Tao. Then started studying Jungian psychology because I got sick of people telling me which way my shark was spinning but couldn't get their poop in a pile. Um, then got sick of being a psychologist because I didn't like people complaining and not doing anything. Studied what was called the psychology of excellence, which today is mm -hmm. called leadership. That was in 1983. Yes, I am that old. And then uh, from there, started studying um, quantum physics, Mm -hmm. And neuroscience, neuroscience was in its early days. And then out of all that, I uh, was studying politics in the background and uh, put it all together to un to develop what is now known as the human em the emotional source code. So yeah. that's kind of the quick, quick version of what happened. And I ended yeah. up traveling the world to do it. Yeah, we're gonna go longer than 20 minutes today. I can tell you that for sure. 
So if only because of that intro. <laughs> yes, but no, because I'm I got 18 questions. I don't know when to start with here. So so I, the background is is phenomenal. And, and is that and I apologize. Is that documented in, in your book? Your your whole your ramp up here? No, all that no, no, no. Dude, you gotta do that. That's a that's that sounds like Indiana Jones on steroids. Yeah, it's I just it feels a bit it for me, it feels braggadocious. And and I'll tell you why. Because you know, I had an experience very recently where I met a group of people I was supposed to be working with and ended up not getting the deal. And the reason I didn't get the deal is because I intimidated the shit out of one of the people in the room by being nice to them. I mean, I was very nice. I was very kind. I was very compassionate. But be and, and I found out from another person, you intimidated this person because they couldn't grasp that you were nice and kind and caring and loving but you have such certainty and such power in your voice that they didn't know what to do with you. So it intimidated them. And I said, yeah, unfortunately that is the case. My, yeah. I'm a polymath. I've studied all these different things with great mm -hmm. depth. I bring a lot of certainty to what I do, but I also bring it with a ton of curiosity. Right. And people don't know how to deal with that because we live in, and this is really important for your, for your listeners. We live in a world that asks you to be in a single frame of who you are. We've lived in the cult of speciality. And in mm -hmm. the cult of speciality, you're only allowed one, one little window that you can polish and shine yeah. and, and don't intimidate anybody because you're the specialist in this, but that's fine. Well, what if you actually study deeply into other areas and mm -hmm. you all acknowledge that I don't know, I want to learn. That's intimidating for people. Is it intimidating for the right person or was it was that person you shouldn't be working with? Well, it's, it's interesting. That's a good, really great question, Doug, because um, I don't think that I've in all the years. In, so, as you know, I work with organizations, I, large organizations, government bodies, et cetera, but also individuals, high powered individuals. And most of the high powered individuals I work with are intimidating to most people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I intimidate many of them initially and then they fall in love with me. Right. And, and they always say that, like I have a very good client. He's been a client of mine for 15 years as a private mm -hmm. client, 15 years. Wow. And he says, if I don't tell you to F off at least four times a year, something's wrong. Right. And I go, you're absolutely right. I worked with him last, last Monday. And he said to me, uh, we got to a point and he's, you know, he's like really ardent about this. And I said, well, is that or this? And he went, you. <laughs> And I said, thank you. Okay. <laughs> he said, fuck you. And I said, thank you. And he goes, I know, you know, I love you. And I go, of course, you wouldn't tell me yeah. to fuck you if you didn't. So it's that, it's not that they're the wrong people. I don't mind that I intimidate them. I, yeah. What I'm more interested in is, are you curious enough to, to consider why is this intimidating? Yeah. Like the follow-up question, not hiring is like, if, if you found out why, it's like, you're the, you're, that's, that's the reason you should hire me. It's because you're exactly. intimidated. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. You no, know, it's like the old, the objection is the answer, right? That's just uh, yeah, oh well. exactly. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of a story that you told me once. If you don't mind repeating that, so I can get it right next time I retell it about a, a man who um, um, about affordability. Yes. So uh, <clears throat> this has happened to me on many occasions, but uh, I'll tell two stories back to back that I think will make it make sense. And so, you can be braggadocious to his level. I think that's important part of the story. <laughs> so there was. Um, the, first of all, there was a lady I was, um, I had an initial contract with her, I was working with her and we were on our second session and she mm -hmm. was a, a, 
like an insanely successful person from Australia, multiple generations of wealth and multiple businesses. And she said something to me and I just paused and said, hmm. And she said, what? And I said, you do know you're full of shit, right? <laughs> and she said, how dare you? I said, how dare I watch? She goes, nobody speaks to me like that. And I said, that's the problem. I said, if you think you'll get the truth from anybody you employ, you're 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 on crack. That's not how it works. If right. if they depend on you for a paycheck, they will always filter. I don't care. You've already paid me. I, you you have to pay me in advance. You can fire me. It's fine. <clears throat> right? I can also fire you. And she started to laugh and she goes, You're absolutely right. So that was one example of that. The other mm -hmm. one is this this guy who was he was actually in North Van, uh, in West Vancouver, which is a very wealthy part of Canada, and and he was telling me about things, and you know he wanted to work with me, and he had heard about me from this person and that person, and I said, yeah, okay, and he said, um, you know, uh, well, I'll, you know, I, I can I can write you a check now, and I said, no, 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 let's not do that, and he goes, why? I said, you can't afford me. And he said, do you know how much money I have? And I said, yeah, I do. I said, I know you're a billionaire. He goes, and I can't afford you? And I said, no, you can't. And he, and he said, why would you say that? I said, let me just tell you about you, and I'll tell you what you haven't told me. And he goes, okay. And you can watch this guy's face drain. I said, I know exactly where you live in West Vancouver. I know the hill you live on. I know that you've probably got at least five bedrooms, but probably seven. That you've got at least 10,000 square foot in your property. And I said, and all the furniture that is new is on the uh, viewing level when you walk in and you have to walk down to get into your house. I said, but in the lower level, you've got all secondhand furniture. And he went, what? And I said, yeah, you probably either drive a uh, high, probably drive a high level Mercedes, right? A family vehicle. And he's like, and he's, how do you know all this? I said, because I know you can't afford me. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't value anything. And you don't have enough money to value me. It's not about the fee. It's about the value. And you will never recognize value. That's why you have second-hand furniture in your lower area where you spend all the time and your family spends all the time. But the upper level is for showing off. Your car is for showing off. Your house is for showing off. I'm not interested in you showing off. I'm interested in your soul shining in the world to make a greater difference. And if you can't do that, you don't have you can't afford me because you think it. you can buy me with money and I will never be for sale. Pissed him off. And, and I remember when I told you, you said, mm -hmm. uh, did, he, did he then hire you? Uh, did he then change and hire you? And I said, oh, no, I wouldn't have taken him on. Yeah. Wouldn't have taken him on. Not interested. Yeah. If you're not here on the planet to serve, and, and believe me, if my clients are crazy successful make me yeah. look like i've never made a penny and, and i have enormous respect for the success they've had and the focus yeah. it took mm -hmm. to get there yeah and now you're there now what exactly okay now now you're going okay well what's next another million another billion another mercedes another yacht another island what yeah. do you think yeah. it's going to work i because I, i'll tell you it will work but it'll work for 10 minutes yeah. and then you'll go eh, what's next because you're looking externally for an internal fulfillment. It's not possible.
That's just genius. And thankfully, on this show, I'm allowed to use, I can, I'm not even going to hire you, and I can tell you a quick story that I think you'll appreciate. <clears throat> my coach was listening to my, my sales calls um, about a year, year and a half ago. Listen to one call. Oh, Doug, you were excited, enthused. It sounded like a great conversation. Did you get that deal? Yeah, I did. Um, the second call I listened to, though, you were kind of cold, almost rude to the guy. You weren't like interested in like, you know, what happened with that one? Oh, and I, I didn't, you know, it didn't work with him. Why'd you take that call? Because, uh, you know, I'm in business to do books with people. So, yeah, but you weren't interested in his topic or him. No, he's talking about himself the whole time. I like people who want to do something, you know, to help the world out. And he said, well, why don't you just talk to those people? I said, man, 30 to 40% of my clients are these people who want to talk about themselves. He goes, don't talk to them anymore. But won't that reduce my leads? He goes, you'll make more money. And the yeah. moment I turned my first client down, who was a, a double agent, he was like Cuban CIA spy, like great movie. But after an hour of him talking about himself, I'm like, who's this going to serve? He's like, oh, <laughs> uh, entrepreneurs? <laughs> Not really. So I, I turned down a six-figure deal. And my business went up 300%. As right. soon as I focused on people and books and messages that make a difference. Now, it could be a business book, but it means growth, employment, whatever, or something, you know, altruistic. So but, I but love you, you've just brought to the point about curiosity. So, yeah. you know, as you, as you know, because I just mentioned it again, but, you know, I traveled the world, studied all these religions. People say, what's your religion now? And I say, my religion is curiosity. And they go, oh, that's really interesting. And I go, yeah. And, and I said, and there's only one rule that goes with that curiosity. Because with if I just have curiosity on its own, I am going to be curious about you. I'm going to find out about you. Uh, and I'm going to find a way to fall in love with you. And that's not romantic. It's just love, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But if I do that without one single value, then I'm going to fall in love with people who are assholes and narcissists. And I'm not going to do that. So mm -hmm. my... My value is discernment. Mm -hmm. So I can love you and decide not to be with you. I yep. can love you and say, no, no, not for me. I can mm -hmm. be curious about you enough to love you at a soulful level and not, no, no, it's not for me. Thanks. So I can love some of the people who society really dislikes at yep. a soulful level. And I can also tell you that I would never let them in my house. <laughs> right. So it's the yeah. discernment piece. But the interesting thing about it, everybody's into this. We talked about the cult of speciality. Yeah. But people have the cult of speciality, but forget that for a moment. Mm -hmm. What about moving to discernment? What if you if that if that's where you specialize in discerning who do I work with? And by the way, it's not even industry-wise who do I work with. It's the human beings. Yeah. Right? right. The no asshole rule is a really great rule. Right. And I tell my corporate clients, it's better to have a hole in your corporation than it is to have an asshole in your corporation. That's if you don't have somebody idea. to fill that role, get it like get them, get rid of them. Because analogy, if you live in the if you live in the country and you collect rainwater in your barrel and that's the water you drink. And one day you take your water out and you forgot to put the lid in and a raccoon comes along and takes a shit in there. And you come up the next day and you go to get your water and you notice one little turd. Just one little foot in the bottom. Are you going to drink the water? Your argument is, well, it's only one turd. And the water tastes fine. It's just one turd, right? No, it's poisoned the entire system. Yeah. yeah. That worker who is an a-hole in your system is the turd in your barrel. 
You cannot afford that. Yeah. You cannot afford that. So say no more often, by, mm -hmm. but not just for the sake of saying no. Get really clear. Spend the time to get discerning about who do I really want to be engaged with. Yeah. And that's deeply fulfilling because I will tell you, I, I my people apply to work with me. They have to go through an application process. Okay. pay a large chunk of change to do that work with me. Mm -hmm. And many of them willing to do it. And I could still say no. Why? Because if I can't fall in love with you, I'm not working with you. Yeah. And they look, what do you mean? If I'm not going to love you enough to kick your ass and fight you, I will actually have to, I know I'm going to have to fight with you uh -huh. for your soul so that you keep it and not give it away to somebody else. Ooh. You won't like that. There's going to be times when you're going to go, screw you, Dove. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I'm still going to fight because you paid me and I'm going to fight yeah. for you because I want you to be at your very best in your service to the world right. and you will, it's fascinating. You'll become way more successful, yeah. but not because you're focused on being successful, but because you're focused on serving your soul, serving right. the world. It's, it makes so much sense when you say it this way, but then I just catch myself sometimes, or a lot of people just of going back to their goals, their objectives, yeah. things like that. That's why, you know, you, we both know our good friend Miriam and her book, you know, the, the currencies of new leadership. It's nothing about money. It's about things no. that are intangible that are also currencies. Absolutely. But um, how do you measure some of these things? That's a really good point. So, you know, we talked about right at the very opening that, you know, yeah. people wonder what drives human beings and we think it's, uh, right. it's love or fear or greed or whatever it is, you know, and that's fine. And those yeah. are certainly drivers. But right. we all have what's called an emotional source code. So people will show up and they say, you know, I, I really want to change this behavior. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And, and, you know, based on my background and what I've learned, you know, with psychology and being a master practitioner of NLP, and so, my answer is yes, I can change your behavior. Will yeah. it stick? No. Oh, okay. Why not? Well, you, you, your behavior is driven by your beliefs. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So if I change the beliefs, will that change the behavior? but it won't last. What? So my behavior is run by my beliefs. I've changed my behavior because I changed my beliefs. So what else is there? So I said, well, before I tell you what it is, let me just walk you through this, this prism of how we develop our, our reality. So the bottom is you have an emotional source code. <laughs> Doug's getting out his notes. Right? You're going to want to take notes. That's a byline of the show, man. I'm going to record right. this, but I want the writing. Go ahead. Keep I'm going. Yeah, so you have an emotional source code. Now, what is your emotional source code? Think of it as your emotional DNA. Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing. You can deny your DNA. It doesn't change it. Right. You can also see your DNA as fixed and... Um, primary but it's not that's right so you can't ignore it but you can't allow it to be seen as all there is so we, uh -huh. we used to believe in the primacy of dna that you are what your dna is if you're everybody in your family had heart disease you're going to get heart disease yeah. not true no no what we know now is there's epigenetic sciences right. the epigenetic sciences tell us that the gene inside of a cell is responding mm. to its environment and its environment is changed by the neurochemical cascade released from the brain and the neurochemical cascade is released based on what is going on in the outside world. Right. So the, the predisposition for addiction is not 
just the fact that your mom had heroin in her blood. Yeah. It's the fact that she's an addict and she hangs around with addicts and you're in an addiction environment. That's what happens. So, yeah. so now we know, okay, so you've got a DNA, but it's not fixed. So it's the same with yeah. your emotions. So you can't deny that. So I was born in abject poverty and around violence. And this is me, right. Dove speaking, mm -hmm. violence, crime, addiction, all kinds of abuse we don't need to get into. I grew up in that. That's my emotional DNA. And I can be out of that, say, well, it's fixed. And so I will become my brother who still lives back there in that world. Because he bought the package and he's like, okay, yeah. that's who I am. Okay, that's fine. My emotional DNA is not going away, but I can turn off things and turn on things. Yeah. And how do I do that? Well, when I get my emotional DNA, in order to survive, again, this is a survival mechanism, it's, it's neurochemistry and it's biology. In order to survive, I have to develop meaning that will allow me to survive. So if I'm in an environment where I'm being abused, let's mm -hmm. say your dad comes home every day and he knuckles you, you might tell yourself, you, your dad might tell you, and you might tell yourself that you're being loved by that violence. Yeah. Because right. your dad says, I'm only punching you in the head because it's a tough world and I want you to be tougher. Yeah. Right. So you translate that in meaning, okay, in the anatomy of meaning to say, that's what love is. And then you can't work out why you're in these relationships where you keep getting beat on. Right. Maybe it's not physical anymore. Maybe it's transformed to verbal or emotional or spiritual or some other kind mm -hmm. of abuse, but you're still getting abused because that's the anatomy of meaning. What drives us is our anatomy of meaning. What goes unquestioned is our anatomy of meaning. That's the piece that gets missed because above the anatomy of meaning becomes identity. Okay. So the third level up is identity. Who am I? And most people will never question their identity even when they have an identity crisis. So there they are, 48 years old, <laughs> bald as a badger with a ponytail, <clears throat> driving a Corvette and, and trying to snort coke off a, off a hooker's tits so they can tell themselves they're young again. Why? Because they have an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Then they realize that that's empty. What happens next? They revert back to the old. They mm -hmm. say, well, this is not me. Please forgive me, honey. Take me back. I'll ask the kids yeah. to forgive me. I'll cut off this ponytail. I'll sell the Corvette. I'll buy a minivan. You know, please forgive me. And so they, they, they go into a, a reactive identity out of the old one. And when mm -hmm. that doesn't work, they go back to the old one. Instead of asking, who am I? That's mm -hmm. the most difficult question in the world. Yeah. Who are you if you're not this identity? That's right. That identity forms your your beliefs and a paradigm of beliefs a collection of beliefs becomes a value and that drives your behavior beliefs come before values okay oh yeah collective beliefs form yeah. the values that support the identity so it's an okay. up and down yeah, yeah. so they support the identity they have to be in place they're, they're grown from the identity but they're there to support the identity and then all my beliefs and behaviors come out of that you know, uh, I'll probably get the, the title wrong. Is Adam Grant's book, maybe Think Again or something, talks about um, being true to your values but challenging your beliefs. Absolutely. And that's part of my thing with curiosity. Like, well, you know, especially with you mentioned America's, you know, divisiveness that's happening the past few years. And, um, you know, I'm trying to, like, 
I got you know angry in, in in 2020 and early on, like, okay, what if I just be curious about stuff and not try to put my agenda on the people? Sure. So I'm curious about the political parties and, and people talking about things, and it made me feel more peaceful. Yes. Um, so I haven't really challenged my beliefs, but I set them aside at least to listen. Part of the curiosity thing you're talking about. Um, so if the, if, the, if the culmination of your a set of your beliefs create your values, and if you start challenging your beliefs, would it, would it impact or, or shift your values at all or not? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. So, but, but again, if you try and do the beliefs on their own, without looking at the identity, it will be, it will be semi-permanent uh, at best. Okay. So you Good have to go to the identity first. Yeah. So my work will always go to that. So when people go, Oh my God, you know, I've been going through an identity crisis. I'm like, great. Can I buy you a drink? That's like, let's celebrate. That's fantastic. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's horrible. No, it's actually the greatest thing that could have happened to you. Right. It, it, it is as, um, as young talked about, it's the entrance into the dark shadow. It is, you know, like Campbell talked about, it is the cave which holds your treasure is the one you fear to enter. That's where it is. That cave is your identity. That's the one you fear. So you say, well, I'm a billionaire or I've, I'm, the, I'm the president of X, Y, and Z, or I do this yeah. or I do that. No, those are things you've done. Yeah. I'll give you one quick example of that. Yeah. Many years ago, running a workshop, I said, I'm going to explain this to you. I was talking about the anatomy of meaning. And so some of you are going to get offended by what I'm going to tell you. And that's okay. I'm all right with that. But I'm not doing it. So please understand I'm not doing it to offend you. I'm doing it actually to support you. And they're like, okay. I said, put your hand up if you're a religious person. So Mm -hmm. several people put their hand up. And this one guy, Frank, he puts his hand up. And I said, okay, Frank, let's pick you. What's what's your religion? He goes, I'm a Catholic. Mm -hmm. I go, okay, good. Why? Because his parents were. He goes, well, I, I believe in Catholicism. I go, why? He goes, well, I go to church on Sundays. I go, well, if I park my Ford in a Ferrari garage, does that make it a Ferrari? <laughs> he goes, no. I go, okay, so you're, you're not Catholic because you stand in a room. He yeah. goes, no, no, my parents are Catholic and I've been brought up Catholic. And I said, okay, so why are you a Catholic? Mm-hmm. Are you a Catholic because you fell out of a Catholic vagina? Or because you had a Catholic sperm donor? Like, tell me, what is the, why are you a Catholic? Well, as you can imagine, he was pissed off. Right, he was upset and pissed off, and and he said, you know, you're trying to talk me out of my religion. I said, I am no. not. In it's any in the way, four agreements. He talks about this in the four agreements, right? Like, it's, yeah, I'm not yeah. in any way challenging your your faith, whatever you choose to yeah. be. I don't care whatever you are. You could be Sunni, you can be Jewish, Hindu. I don't care. It's got nothing to do with that. But he was pissed off when he left the workshop. Yeah. Well, I'm walking down Robson Street, probably two months later, and I see him coming towards me, and I'm thinking. I'm not going to back away. I'm going to still be friendly, sure. but I can, I'm imagining this is not going to be particularly pleasant, but he comes up to me and he, see, he suddenly sees me and he gets this massive smile on his face and he oh. comes towards me and he says, I want to give you a hug. And I give him a big hug. And I'm like, well, this is a nice surprise, Frank. I said, you know, I kind of thought it might go the other way based on how we ended last time. He goes, Oh no. He goes, I want to thank you. And I said, why? He goes, because now I'm a Catholic. Ah, oh, nice. And I said, you got it. He goes, I got it. I now got it that you were not pushing me away from it. You were pushing me to challenge it to see if it was true for me. He goes, it's got nothing to do with my parents anymore. He goes, I'm a Catholic. I go, fantastic. Celebrate you. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Good job, man. So that's a challenge those identities. Do you have a diagram or or something for this? We're building it right now. 
All right. When you get that, send it over. And I'll put it in the show notes, whether it's the next week or two, whatever. It'd be good to, good to have that because I, I'm, I'm trying to take notes here. But I'm going to just, you know, down the recording. But I think a chart like that would really help people to like take the words you're saying and then project it into their life, right? The examples yep. are helpful, but I got to think of like how many people actually outline their beliefs and values, you know? Not many, right? Well, so, well, so. well, I mean, so the challenge there is this. Uh, you know, I did uh, belief assertion uh, and values elicitation. I've done all those things. Yeah. But what are you eliciting? Yeah. Well, these are my beliefs. And these are my values. Based wow. on what? Mm -hmm. So this is where the whole system fell apart. Like yeah. as a neurolinguistic trainer, I was like massively into that. Wow. Right? As a psychology guy, massively into that. And then yeah. I was like, but what's it based on? And, you know, I remember being a kid at school and, and being in a biology class, uh, being a, uh, a science class and being thrown out by my teacher, Mr. Kirshner. He threw me out. Nice. He said, because I was a trouble causer, because I was curious. Asking questions. Yeah. And he said, you know, he's talking about Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, but how did that happen? He goes, well, there were gases, blah, blah, blah. And he says, okay, okay. where did they come from? Yeah. And I just kept saying, where did they come from? Where did they come? And he's like, you're a trouble causer. Get out of here. <laughs> right. Know. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I was being even uh, saying, you know, talking about uh, yeah. creative design or, you know, right. talking about God yeah. or a religion. It was nothing to do with that. I just wanted to say what's underneath, which is they what has always know. driven me. Right. The what only don't theory I had heard was that it might be going like back and forth, back and forth every every 10, 20 billion years like that, but you know, who knows? Right. So like, so yeah. what don't we know? So this is the key yeah. when you're looking at yourself. So most right. people are, I go, well, this is who I am. You know, yeah. I'm taking over the capital. It's January 6th. This is who I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and when we do the emotional source code for the country, because yeah. I've done it for the US, I've done it for England. I did one for Vladimir, uh, uh, not for, on Vladimir Putin. He didn't ask sure. me I did it yeah. on him. You can, by the way, you want to understand the emotional source code of Vladimir Putin, go to dovberon.com and it'll pop up and you can download it. And it's like four and a half pages. and It'll show you what's actually driving him. So what I talked about with the emotional source code of America, I said, sure. listen, you can think that everybody who showed up on January 6th was a nutter. And were there many nutters there? Absolutely. Yeah, Certainly. But if you go to Walmart, you'll find plenty of nutters there too. So, mm -hmm. Proportionately, it's probably equal. Okay. However, if you interviewed every single person there and you say, why are you here? Mm -hmm. They will all give you the same, it might not be word for word, but the same answer. It'll have the same deep meaning. And that meaning will be the emotional source code of America. And they said, well, what is it? I said, if you're here, if you're there and you're into him, why are you here? I'm here because I think this thing was stolen or whatever it is, sure. right? But why? because I'm protecting our freedom because the emotional source code of America is the word freedom. Yeah. Now, is that a rhetoric? Yes, because mm -hmm. the person who controls the meaning controls the movement mm. and the people who really are in power understand that. So when Trump said that, you know, they're threatening our freedom, yeah. that riles people up. Right. 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 Now let's go to the other side and talk about Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. You remember his, his most famous speech? What's sure. it called? I have a dream. I have a dream. Yeah. I have a dream. He says that 11 times yeah. in that speech. Yeah. Do you know what he says far more? 
What's that? Almost double. Let freedom reign. Ah. It's not that I, it's called the I Have a Dream speech, but what makes it psychologically stick in the American psyche is wow. let freedom reign. Because freedom is the emotional source code of the United States. Mm -hmm. When people understand that, they can manipulate the shit out of you if you don't know how to understand your own emotional source code. Wow. Whew. We got we to gotta do some more of this. So um, last couple of questions here. Um, uh, who's Dove Baron? <laughs> uh, Dove Baron is somebody who is here to serve. Uh, somebody who is deeply curious. Um he is a, uh, a husband, mm -hmm. a father, a grandfather of six coming up uh, hey, and uh, a deeply curious human being uh, who is here to serve not your identity, not your ego, but your soul. There you go. Beautifully put. And let's promote a book, Dove. What do you want to put the, uh, the fiercely loyal one that the one to talk about or another one? Um, in the context of this, certainly Fiercely Loyal is a bestseller. It's a great book for you to get if you want to understand it, uh, how to really drive loyalty inside of your organization, particularly that book's having a new research um, because of the great resignation and uh -huh. because of right. quiet quitting. And I'm talking about, well, you know, and those principles still stand very well. Sure. Um, but in the context of understanding what drives you, um, mm -hmm. I would recommend you go. It's a cheap download. It's an ebook. You can get it. It's one red thread. Go get one red thread. Go to DoveBaron.com and get the, the Putin report so you understand stuff. But one yeah. red thread is very simple. Can I just tell you a little story there? Please. Yeah, please. I got time. Yeah, I'm here. So yeah. one red thread. So imagine yourself walking into a modern art gallery. And you walk mm -hmm. into that gallery and you see these beautiful pieces of art. And then you look over to the side and you see this amazing tapestry. And it's, you can see that it seems like every color is woven into it. And it's yeah. incredibly complex, yet extremely simple. And you don't, it's like, it's, it's bewildering. You pull towards it. You get to that tapestry and you're looking at it. And as you mm -hmm. look at it, underneath is always that little plaque underneath that tells you what mm -hmm. it is. And it says, this tapestry is called the one red thread. Okay. If you look at it, you'll find it is deeply complex and incredibly simple. This tapestry represents your life. Mm. This tapestry is held together by a single red thread that you cannot see unless you look into the weave. Can you find the one red thread in your life that holds everything together? Because when you do, you can choose to unravel what doesn't work. Boom! Just put a fork in it. Drop the mic, all those expressions. Amazing stuff. So, folks, get one red thread. I'm going to order mine right now. You can see me on the next show I do. I'm going to have it right in my bookshelf here. Um, I can't wait to read it, Doug. It's always a pleasure. We're going to have to do this again, again, and again. At least, Absolutely. At least once more. Pleasure. Um, you're a brilliant, brilliant person, and I appreciate your service. And, um, yeah, is there anything I can do for you? Let us know. Any, any, I was, I was going to ask for parting words, but that was the, probably the best one. So we'll just let it hang on that, I guess. I should shut up now. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. My absolute pleasure and honor. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for inviting me. And listen, by the way, I just want to say this. If you're listening or watching this show, there's something you should need, you need to know. I've got a couple of podcasts, and I know podcasting is a one-way street. And often, what I mean by that is we're putting out that content. You know, Doug's bringing you great people for you to listen to. Uh, 
aside from me, I'm talking about other people who are amazing. And I wonder how many of you listening go, wow, that was really great. And never bothered to let him know. Please do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Go to wherever it is that you normally listen to the show. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. If you're watching it on YouTube, make sure, or on another platform, make sure you put a comment. Make sure Doug knows that his time that he's invested in it is valuable to you, that it's having an impact on you. And if you want to write to me or to Doug and tell us what you got out of it, that's fantastic. Because you know what? Information is worth the hole in the donut. Transformation comes from the application. So write to us. Tell us. Yeah. And you can write to me. I'm, I'm, I know I'm crazy. My private email is dov, D-O-V, at dovbaron.com, D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Write to me. Tell me what you got out of the show. Tell Doug what you got out of the show and share it with other people. Don't hoard. This is an abundant universe. Share the knowledge. Share the wisdom. Share the insight so that other people, you know, you might piss a couple of people off with this show. That's good. Pissed off is good because the changes that take place in the world, innovation does not take place in, in your comfort zone. It takes when you're challenged. Mm-hmm. That, and this show, not with me, but this show is about challenging your beliefs. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious and make sure that Doug knows that you appreciate him. Thank you very much. I'm going to use that sound bite at the end of all my shows now. Appreciate it, Doug. <laughs> See you next time. Uh, that concludes our show for today with the amazing Doug Barron. One of the smartest guys I know. Make sure you do subscribe to the show. You're going to want to take notes. And uh, we'll see you next time on the show. Thank you very much for watching.